0: And now, move the sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, DJ and Bucky together uh, by Coastal again here today. I'm in. Uh, I'm a New York Buck. Look like you're uh, you're back. I'm home. back home. I'm after back in a, LA after a Monday nighter. We missed you on oh. uh, on Tuesday, but good to see you, man. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. Bad Monday night. Bad Monday night performance for the team. And DJ, you you know what this is like as much as we kind of keep it uh, non-biased when we're doing mm. our stuff for NFL Network, when you're with a team, like, it becomes we, us. You you kind of play yep. like your fandom. And, man, it is tough when your team goes down. And then when you see Trevor Lawrence go out the game, oof, not good. Not no. good. Not good at all. Like, luckily, they got a, a better-than-anticipated report with the high ankle sprain. But DJ for a minute, I mean, it's almost like being the, the high-ranking executive. You see the franchise crumpling... <laughs> like crumble to the floor. You're like, oh no! Yeah, all the hopes and dreams are tied to the quarterback. Um, look, it, it, it's just a lesson in team building. Like we talk about quarterbacks all the time and the importance of a franchise quarterback. But you talked about it. The underrated position is the backup quarterback. No and question. I think after this year, after the last couple of years, where we've seen like 70, almost 80 quarterbacks have to play in games, uh, starts. That position should be what, the 20th, the 21st ranked position on the team building board, that backup quarterback is not a throwaway position. That guy needs to be someone who can play or a young guy who has developmental potential that you're waiting to get him on the field. But it can't just be a spare part because when that backup goes in, the confidence of the
0: team either rises or falls based on what they've seen from that guy in practice. I think the best way to say that, Buck, there's a difference between an issue and a problem. If your all-pro <laughs> all guard gets hurt, that's an issue. Your starting quarterback gets hurt, that's a problem. There, there is a difference between the two. So you better spend a little bit more on uh, on securing that backup quarterback so that your whole season doesn't go down the tubes. Uh, and You saw it in that game. Jake Browning uh, making them competitive um, shows that they did a good job of not only identifying a good player for that role, but then developing him and getting him ready when his opportunity came.
1: How about that, man? It'll be a case study. You got played unbelievable. DJ, I mean, this is the same guy that at Washington, you know, some people viewed as a throwaway. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, the lesson to be learned in watching him uh, in that game was not only his, intellect. one, he was an experienced player at UW. I think those reps matter. We continue to talk about it. Like it's kind of like the Brock Purdy effect guys that played for a long time in college, that experience does matter. But also the supporting cast, because no matter what, the Jaguars could talk about in terms of, yeah, they got the backup quarterback. But you know what still exists? Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. And so when you have a backup quarterback surrounded by supreme, supreme talent, it's a little easier for the head coach to kind of manage the
0: game when you still have the talented weapons on the perimeter. Well, I'm like America, I love a good sequel. And that's like watching Case Keenum 2.0. Like he just changed jerseys, changed names, and then off you yeah. go.
1: Oh, uh, he was running around making plays and, yeah. and, and doing that stuff. And, you know, the, the difference is uh, at the end of that game, all of a sudden the Cincinnati Bengals feel like, hey, wait a minute. We, we might season's have a not chance. Over. Yeah, season's not over. Right, Just that little spark. And, you know, look, that's the great thing about the NFL in, in comparison to the college football playoff. In the NFL, you got to earn your way into the tournament. And mm-hmm. once you earn your way into the tournament, you got a chance just like everybody else to win. Um, and so that that glimmer of hope, uh that the Bengals have. We'll see what it does in terms of changing their fortunes going uh as they head down the stretch.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um uh, on today's show we're gonna get to the game of the week uh which again uh is an Eagles game they have the Cowboys another game second week in a row uh where the Eagles are the underdog and, and we'll get to that game in a little bit. Also have your Bucky's coaches corner. Uh we have our rookie uh uh numbers from the week our little rookie ranking uh, based off of our little rookie index, based off of performance as well as playtime. So we'll get that as well. But I want to start uh, at the top on this uh, this article that came out in The Athletic. And I should probably give you the name of who wrote it because it was a very in-depth, uh, very compelling piece here. Uh, very long article on The Athletic. This is by Joseph Person uh, and Diane Rossini as well. So the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, they got together on this and they uh, wrote kind of a uh, – I don't know how else to say it, just a damning article on mm-hmm. the collapse of uh, Frank Reich's time there, which ended up being the shortest tenured head coach going back to the 70s, um, only making it through, what, 11 games? Um, so it was a brief stint there, and it turns out there were a lot of issues uh, outside of whatever blame you want to put on Frank Reich. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll open the floor to you, but they had over 20 sources uh, in this article talking about the dysfunction of, in the and the numerous issues but I'll, I'll let you go where you want to go and i'll follow you up
1: um dj it's the number one thing that tears up our team when you don't have people that are in alignment it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's exactly what i mean look every leadership book that we've ever read everything that we've ever talked about when it comes to people that have built successful businesses businesses that are built to last it talks about that synergy and it talks about the leadership model from top to bottom and whether that's the owner who's setting the culture or whatever he has allowed that to happen because David Tepper could have headed all of that off by saying, hey, the chain of command isn't you come directly to me. You need to take it to the GM and then he filters it up to me. But now that everyone has access to him, man, that's a feeding frenzy. Everyone who has a, a, a complaint or everyone who has a suggestion can go right to him. And all it does, it clouds his decision making. It clouds his judgment because I don't know if he's been around the game enough to know what's real and what's imagined when it comes to building a championship team. And when you have all of these people that are in self-preservation mode, look, it gets dicey. You and I have both been a part of losing programs and had to navigate that. And it's tough going through when your team is losing in the pros and whether you're in the office or on the road, look, it's miserable every Sunday to see your team get whooped. But the great teams are still able to understand what the destination is they understand that part of this is a process. It's our first year together. It's not going to be smooth sailing to the title. We got to figure out what to do with the personnel that we have. What is the plan that is in place? What was the plan that was talked about? How can we get back on track if we need to deviate from the plan? All of those things. And what I saw from that article, I don't know if they were ever on board from the time that they were all hired. I, I just don't think that this was a group. That was cohesive and a group that really believed in whatever the vision
0: that was touted by either the owner, the general manager or the head coach. Yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling with this a little bit because I do think, look, you don't want to have yes, men. You don't want to be in a situation where you just get everybody that has the same experiences in life. You need to have some diversity on your coaching staff. Guys come from different walks of life and come maybe with some different ideas, some fresh approaches. But I think the overall theme has to be the same. And I don't think they were. I don't think they were on the same page. I wrote it down as mission and message. Like we've got to all have the same mission. Like we're all mm-hmm. trying to get to the same thing. And then we've got to we've got to communicate and speak with the same message. You read this article, some people saying, oh, they weren't coaching Bryce Young hard enough. Mm-hmm. Other people saying you got to protect him a little bit. You've got uh, people point fingers. You talked about different, you know, there's a lot of different entrances into the owner's office, you know, coming from all mm-hmm. over the place. There's a reason why you watch games. Um, you don't see wide receiver coaches out on the field yelling at officials because you have a one voice rule the yes. head coach is the only one who speaks to the officials, and everything should funnel through the general manager and the head coach on the way to the owner. you can't have side channels like that going on um, and I think when you think about the the difference in scheme, like it, to me it's that you know run in one direction or the other, you can be successful. what you can 't do is keep changing course. You never get to either You never get to either mm-hmm. destination, and that's what it sounds like. Under center, we're a gun team. We're going to run insides on outsides. I know we're a downhill run team. We've got offensive linemen that's big road grader types that, that fit what Frank Reich has, has has been with and how he's played, especially coming from Philadelphia, downhill. And then now you got, well, we need more athletic linemen. Like, what are you? you? You can't beat all things. You can't serve all masters. And that's what, to me, seems like the downfall there.
1: Uh, I think you and I have talked about here. You got to keep the main thing, the main thing, but until you know what the main thing is, you don't know what to, how to go about it. And so to me, this is almost like a failure from day one. When the general manager, Scott Fitter, who's a friend of mine and Frank Wright, get on board. They need to be those early conversations. Here's what we want this team to look like. Normally the general manager serves the head coach. The head coach is like, Hey, here's how I envision our team playing. I want to be a downhill physical football team. We want to have these kind of receivers on the outside this kind of running game, this is the quarterback that ideally fits. The same thing is done on the defense side of the ball. This is where we want to be. We want to be big and stout, up front, athletic guys off the edge, big, tall corners. All of that is laid out. Then the general manager works with the scouting staff to make sure that the players that are scouted, the players that are put on the board, fit the vision of how they want to play. And to me, it doesn't sound like any of that stuff has taken place because you have a, a, a hodgepodge or a, a mismatch in the players on the field don't necessarily match the scheme that was – I mean, we don't even know what the scheme is that they wanted to play. The conversation, communication, better communication and, 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 and planning and unification of what a style is going to be probably could have headed off some of these things before we even get to the quarterback. It just doesn't seem like they were on the same page in terms of how this team was going to operate and
0: function on the field. And you also have reports. Look, you had a couple holdover coaches. I believe the offensive line coach, special teams coach, were held over from the previous regime. And I'm speaking as somebody who was mm-hmm. – I've been fired once in my life and new regime came in and I was part of the old regime and I got swept up in that. I, I didn't even – I understood it. I understood it. It didn't – you know, it was something, hey, you want to go get your your people that you want? You got your, your – your buck stops with you. Go get your people. Um, but it just seems like there was – just a hodgepodge, you know, no alignment whatsoever. Um, scheme stuff, like quarterback wise, I think, and I, and I'm friends with Fitter too. I like Scott. So I don't know how much, you know, he's involved in that, but you've got to have specifically your, your offensive lineman and your offensive line coach and your system have to match. You yes. cannot have those be. Uh, in, in misalignment. In other words, like we have an offensive line coach who prefers this. We have offensive linemen who are built to do that. And now we have a scheme that, you know, we're trying to do all this. It's like it, that stuff all has to line up. He's an offensive line coach wise. They will all say we can do everything. You we give us any scheme. No. We can coach it, we can teach it. no, you are a zone guy or you are a gap guy. Like that's pretty much how that works. That's your specialty. Go get guys that function in that style of play. And then off you go. It just seems like, man, it does not fit. The parts don't fit.
1: No, the parts don't fit. And, and DJ, you're right. And it's one of those things that uh, it would always be hard for me, like not one to be one that necessarily hurts people's feelings. But when you come in, you want to try and save everybody because you understand the the heartache that comes with hey, if you let people go or whatever. However, I think now in my 50s, I think you have to make those decisions when you come in Look, like it or not. Here's what it is. I'm going to bring my own people. I'm going to bring the people that. Uh, I know, I trust, They kind of understand we see the game through a similar prism and we're just going to go about it that way. A lot of times when you have holdovers, holdovers tend to cling to the way things have always been. And even though they will give you uh, the service, lip service saying, oh, no, I can do this. I can I can go from a power uh, teaching gap schemes to zone schemes or whatever. Man, there's one thing to, to living in it and loving it and knowing it. Like the things mm-hmm. that you're doing you got to know it and you got to love it because when it doesn't work initially, you got to love it enough to know that I got to fix it. You can't mm-hmm. then say the first time of, you know, struggle. Okay. We got to scrap it. Yeah. To me, that's what this felt like. Because DJ we've seen guys look, think about Dan Campbell and the lions. They got off to a slow start during his tenure, but he never wavered in what he believed in. And eventually they turned a the corner. What I don't like is man, like it was six, seven games in, they're already handing off play calling. Like to me, it's, it's way too soon. And I, I just it just didn't seem like it was anything that was rooted
0: in strong self-belief mm. in the plan, the process and the way to go forward. Yeah, I think there's a difference between I heard this analogy one time. There's a difference between sailboats and submarines. Right. If you're a sailboat and the storm comes, you are rocking with the waves all over the place. If you're a submarine and you're deeply rooted, you're, you're down low. That, you don't even know the storm came, Buck, because that's where, you're, that's where you're secure. That stuff's all happening up here, but we are together and we're underneath all of that stuff. I feel like this, is a, this was an example of once the, once the storm came, once they had a little bit of turbulence, Buck, it just fell apart.
1: Yeah, it can't fall apart. You gotta, I mean, look, you have to be deeply rooted in the thing. And it doesn't mean that you don't tweak or make subtle changes. Yeah, don't be stubborn, but you also have yeah, to have but- your core non negotiable beliefs. This is what we believe in. And what and whatever it is, if 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 you're a championship team, look, man, we believe in a strong, dominant defense, a physical running game that sets up a play action passing attack. We can be great on special teams. This is who we are. You may change how we go about it. Okay, like this year we may not be as much of a power team. We may have to lean into more zone. But like your beliefs, your core, your vision for how the game is played, you don't deviate from that. And I look, I I just don't think they they really had a a firm or a clear grasp on, on what it is that they want it to be. And if you're not able to not only articulate that vision to your coaches, but clearly articulate that vision to your players, well, no one in the building is going to believe in, in, in what you're doing, particularly after you lose a couple games. That's when it gets shaky. You have to continue to be able to stand in front of the room and say, guys, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. Look at the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get worse than giving up 70 points in a game, in an NFL game. To start out one and four, but then to put themselves back in a position, that came because the coach had a strong belief in how they were going to get it done. He didn't waver from that. He may have made some adjustments, but they still believed in those core values. And ultimately, man, if you stand in it and you figure it out, it eventually, at a turn, you just have to have enough belief and you have to be able to get the work done.
0: No doubt. Uh, again, it's a it's a great article. Uh, you can learn a lot from it, not just in in this case with the Panthers, but uh, cross over into any line of work, you'll uh, you'll learn something. It's uh, Joseph Person and Diana Rossini. So think, go check that out on The Athletic. Go ahead, Buck. I, I,
1: the last thing, and I think here's the other part that makes it, makes it hard, because we've all been there, DJ, with teams that have had top picks or whatever. The hardest thing for the Panthers to navigate right now is and, and in yoga, we always talk about staying on your own mat. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for the Panthers, they always are looking over at the other mat, and they're looking at C.J. Stroud. And so a team that wasn't expected to be as good as the Panthers. Cause remember, we all thought the player, the Panthers were going to be playoff ready once they got the quarterback. They're looking over and they're looking at this team with a quarterback and CJ Stroud. How are they having all this success? And we're struggling. How are they having this success with maybe some unheralded pass catchers and uh, offensive line? And so that created, I would say, internal pressure to fix, to fix this team right away, as opposed to, Hey, we got our quarterback. Hey, it's great that he's working for them, but here's our plan, here's our process, and when we get to it, it'll work. We can't worry about what they're doing. I felt like there was this competition and pressure because C.J. Stroud hit the the ground running that there's some, I don't know, like, why isn't our guy playing? Why isn't our guy doing this? The fan base, did we pick the wrong guy? I think that accelerated and elevated the pressure in the building.
0: Yeah. And I think that, unfortunately, there's, you know, they didn't look uh, around and look at some of these other quarterbacks who've had initial struggles and then have grown into being the answer. Go look at Miami and look at what everybody was saying about him when he was getting benched and they didn't know, you know, look like a total bust. And the other quarterbacks in that draft class, you're with Burrow and you're with Herbert and you're thinking, what a colossal screw up. We got stuck with Tua and he's not any good. Look what these other guys are doing. Hey, man, this is not it's not a linear path to success. You're going to have some bumps in the road. And what instead of instead of panicking, it, how about just evaluate the situation and go, OK, what do we what are we missing? What do we need? Let's let's start planning for the future instead of freaking out about the present. And that's that's kind of unfortunately what the what the route that they went there. So hopefully for Bryce Young, um, they'll have more alignment with their next staff and their next setup. And, uh, and they can get on the same page and give him a fighting chance. To me, it's another reminder that. Whatever you see from Bryce Young shouldn't be a shock. Like, look what look, look what's going on there. Like, he had no chance, no chance for him to be successful uh, with how chaotic everything was uh, there. Uh, all right, let's get to this. Uh, let's get to this rookie score here real quick before we take a break. And then we'll come back and hit the game of the week. Uh, we do this each and every week. The top individual rookie performance uh, performances from week 13. Uh, HN's at the top of the list from Miami. Uh, Sam Laporta, the tight end from Detroit has seemed like he's on here every week as well as Puka Nakua right behind him. Uh, Parker Washington, your Jag making uh, one of his uh, uh, first <laughs> yes. appearances this year. Nice day for him. Uh, Charbonnet, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson. They round out the individual list team wise, Lions, Packers, Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Buck. It's not a surprise. Uh, we see a lot of these same players and teams each and every week and team wise, uh, man, man, the Packers, the run that they're on, uh, a lot of it fueled by so many good rookie players.
1: Yeah, I, I, look, I'm, I'm blown away. But I, I feel like this is, um, to me, it goes all the way back to my time with the Green Bay Packers as a player and then working for guys that worked in the organization, as he speaks to the Packers. Um, we just talked about Carolina Panthers not being in alignment. And the one thing that I know is the years I spent with the Packers, there was always that alignment from top to bottom. General Manager Ron Wolf, Mike Holmgren, and all the descendants and disciples that have worked under that—like you saw—an organization that's connected in terms of how they develop the young players, how they develop the quarterback, all those things. And this year has kind of given us an opportunity to see how that process works. They removed Aaron Rodgers and some of the older players, and now DJ. To me, it's not a coincidence that all the young players are flourishing because everybody in the locker room and upstairs believes in the approach. And what you have is Jordan Love having better connectivity and chemistry with the playmakers on the outside, the young guys getting the opportunity to play, the coaches knowing, hey, we got to put the young guys on the field. So it's on you guys to develop them and get them ready to go. When you have that kind of um, synergy, eventually the the results on the field will happen, and that's what we're seeing from the Packers. That's why before the season I was optimistic that they would play and, and be a competitive team, but now when you see them play, you understand Everybody from top to bottom is working together and is beginning to turn around up in in Greenback.
0: Yeah, they've done it. They've uh, they've acquired the picks. They've executed the picks. They've developed the players and you're seeing the plan come together, which is exciting if you're a Packer fan, because not only is it going well, this is just a springboard here. This is just starting. This is only going to get better uh, from here. So exciting times. For the Green Bay Packers, the organization, and their fan base. Um, all right, we take a quick break. We come back. We're going to hit the game of the week as well as Bucky's Coach's Corner right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
1: It's time for MTS Game of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. This week is a great one. Eagles at Cowboys. The spread is minus three and a half, favoring the Cowboys. The over-under is 52 and a half. And DJ, how quickly things change in the National Football League. You talk about the Dallas Cowboys being the favorite coming into this game. We talked about the Eagles being the best team in the league. They get mollywatted by the 49ers. And now all of a sudden, we have people talking about the Cowboys being the threat to the Niners as a team to beat in the NFC. This is a great matchup because to me, the two quarterbacks are very, very similar. Uh, when they were coming out, I saw Jalen Hurts as a version, uh, as a, a, a cousin kind of. Dak Prescott and how he would have to play. Now their games have kind of developed differently, but I think the leadership skills and the stuff, the toughness that they bring to the table is very similar. Dak Prescott quietly is playing at an MVP level. Mike McCarthy took over the play call and they've emphasized some of the things that he's done well. He's controlled the game. It's been, I would say, explosive, but a controlled, explosive offense where they're getting ball to the playmakers, but it's not a high risk, uh, rambunctious offense. And He's really flourished in that, and he's played to the strength of the defense because the defense specializes in taking the ball away, setting them up with splash plays, short fields. They're getting all of that, and it worked. This Cowboys team is really playing well, but the one thing that we all question, how are they going to play against a team that is their equal? Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that they're equal because we haven't seen the Cowboys really dominate a team that was either at their level or better than them. This would give the football world, an opportunity to see them play against a heavyweight. Can they knock out a heavyweight? Or are they just the king of the middleweights where they knock out these teams they're supposed to be? Because they need to knock out some of these teams if they're going to make a run in the postseason.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, they're going to go up against an Eagles pass defense, Buck. That's really one of the worst in the league. Uh, it's one of the mm-hmm. five worst pass defenses in the league. Think about this. They're giving up 260 yards a game. Last year. 179 yards a game, the number one pass defense in the NFL last year. They've gone from literally the best to one of the worst uh, pass defenses with largely the exact same personnel, um, except you know some coaching changes there. So um, that that is baffling to me that they have not been better against the pass, especially when you consider the rush that they have. I mean, they can get mm-hmm. after the quarterback. Uh, Shaq Leonard comes in there. Uh, we'll see if they can get him up and running quickly at the linebacker position. Maybe that can help them a little bit. Um, You know, they went and got fired. They're trying to throw resources at this thing to get this fixed. But if the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win this game against the, you know, arguably the hottest quarterback in the NFL and Dak Prescott, you have to play a heck of a lot better on the back end uh, than what they've shown this year. So that would be my main concern and probably one of the reasons why the Dallas Cowboys are looked at as the team that's favored to win this ballgame and blood's in the water, you know, for the Eagles having the best record in the league. That's been, you know, hey, there's been this kind of issue defensively that's been kind of floating around out there. And then after the Niner game, I think that you're the Cowboys. You're pretty confident coming into this one.
1: Uh, a couple of things that that show up. Uh, one of my former teammates and a guy who was really tight with the Philadelphia Eagles, Seth Joyner, went on a rant after the game against the 49ers. And he just talked about the lack of toughness and the lack of tackling on the mm-hmm. perimeter. He talked about the DBs being disinterested in coming up and tackling. And the thing that we talked about with the 49ers, there are a handful of teams in the National Football League. They kind of they let everyone know who you are when it comes to playing bully ball and those things. They expose your flaws, or they showcase where you can go toe-to-toe with them. In that matchup, Philadelphia did not meet the standard when it came to the physicality and toughness. The Cowboys are not a team like that, but now that they have seen the Niners do that, they're going to ratchet up the physicality because they believe that they're going to be able to knock the Eagles around. The Eagles have to respond more physicality, more toughness. They got to tackle on the perimeter. This isn't about schemes. This is a game that is going to be about the urgency and the intensity that they bring to the field. And if I'm Nick Sirianni, look, we put on the pads. We got to make sure that we get back to being the team that we were not only last year, but when we've been at our best. Physicality, toughness, running game, defense, they got to be able to kind of get back on track. Um, Because this is it. This is for the division. This is a huge game, and so I expect the Philadelphia Eagles to step up and play their best. We'll see if that's enough to get them to win. No doubt. That was the MTS Game of the Week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code MTS. That's code MTS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL.
0: Um, all right, Buck. Uh, good game there. Looking forward to that one. How about uh, today's uh, Bucky's Coaches Coach's Corner? What's our word for the day?
1: Uh, the word for the day is tenacity. And I think tenacity goes right along with toughness. Uh, we love this game. And we love this game for so, so many aspects of it. We can talk about the, the, the chessboard and the chess match that goes on between teams and coaches. But at the end of the day, man, it's one that you got to bring great energy, great intensity, great toughness to the field. Uh, We see that in terms of not only your level of preparation and how you play, but we see it in the urgency that you bring to the field. This game is not about schemes. It's about effort and running to the ball and getting there and getting there sometimes with bad intentions and being able to kind of impose your will on the opponent. And sometimes that takes a level of tenacity and persistence to wear them down. A lot of times, coaches like to liken football to boxing, where boxing, it takes like the accumulation of body blows to wear the opponent down. So where you can knock him out in the 12th round. Well, football is very similar over a four quarter fair. Your tenacity over time can overwhelm and overpower your opponent. Are you willing to have what we call that consistent persistence uh, to overwhelm your opponent? Look, that's what that's what it takes, particularly at a championship level. You have to be willing to go toe to toe for four sixty minutes to win games.
0: I think about the length of a football season, you know? It's the NFL season is long. I mean, it's 17 games, you add in the preseason, the playoffs, like that is a long, long haul. So when I think of tenacity, I think of always moving. You're just always moving forward, right? it's it just you're going to get you're going to get slowed down along the way, maybe you're not going to be able to move as fast, but you just keep pressing, you keep pressing, you keep pressing. I love the boxing analogy uh, that you use there, but that that to me is that's tenacity. It's tenacity of, "Hey, maybe we've lost a couple games in a row, but we just got to keep going, keep going, keep going." Um, and not get overwhelmed. You see it. We see teams when they, you know, tap out or quit, whatever you want to use. Yeah. But you see teams when they stop. They just say it's not happening this year. You know what? It's not gone our way. We've got injuries. We've had some bad luck. We've got a bad call here or there. Like doesn't matter. Let You got to let that go and you got to keep moving forward. With, and that, to me, shows tenacity of teams, not just of, of individual players.
1: Again, I think it stems from the top. Whoever the leader is, has to kind of demonstrate that no matter what the circumstances is, you can't cave to the circumstances around you don't have my quarterback, don't have my my starting right guard, we're lacking our star player. Okay, you know what? They're going to line up at 7 o'clock, they're going to kick it off, and we got to be ready to play. And those messages that you give to the team, emphasizing tenacity and toughness and grit and determination and all those things that work together, you have to do that. you got to bring that to your team every day. They have to understand it. DJ, you talked about the length of the season being the marathon and the competitive stamina that it takes to be able to kind of Ride the, the 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 roller coaster that the season somehow can do it. Well, that comes from your coach and the leader being able to talk to the team every day. The road is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy for us to get to where we want to go, but we got to hang in there, no matter what. We got to continue to hang in there. We got to get it done. And so, here are the things that we need to do today to put us in a situation to get it done. And it takes that level of tenacity and toughness to do it. But everybody has to believe in it, and it starts at the top of the coach. No, oh,
0: there you go. I love it. It's a good word today. Tenacity in, uh, in Bucky's coach's corner. Uh, something we can all uh, take with us in our regular lives as well. Uh, this has been a fun one today. I appreciate you guys hanging with us. We've covered a lot of ground. We've got one more episode coming up tomorrow. We've got uh, Jim Nagy, our buddy, uh, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl is going to join us, talk a little bit about their ability to, to invite underclassmen for the first time and Uh, go a little bit deeper on some other topics as it relates to this draft class. So be on the lookout for that one tomorrow. Uh, Until then, uh, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, Always, always appreciative right here on Move the Sticks.